Welcome back. Thank you very much for tuning in today. This is uh, episode number 49 of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Freilich podcast. If you are a first-time listener, thank you. Appreciate you tuning in. If you are returning, as I mentioned before, thank you as well. I'm glad you came back. I am basketball referee Mark Freilich, and uh, we are on episode, like I said, number 49. And uh, my guest today has a really extensive resume. Uh, My guest is Thurman Legs Jr., and he is from West Carrollton, Ohio, near Dayton. Uh, he has been an Ohio High School Athletic Association basketball official for the last 28 years. Uh, he's, a, he's another one of those guys that, um, that I was able to meet a few summers ago at the OHSAA and Ohio Association of Basketball Officials basketball officiating camp at Capital University, and, and we struck up a nice uh, discussion, and I was really impressed with him, so asked asked him to be on the show. Uh, Thurman is a member of the Miami Valley Basketball Officials Association and the Kettering Basketball Officials Association. He has been an instructor uh, for Ohio High School basketball since 2011, and he has been a three-person camp director since 2013. Uh, in the Miami Valley uh, so- Officials Association, uh, he's been a member there since 1995, and he was president there for, in uh, 2003 and 2004. Now, Thurman also works college basketball, and wow, wait till you hear this. I mean, NCAA Division III, final four official, uh, final four official, tried to get those two things closer together, but can, <laughs> that was a little tough. That was in uh, 2012. Elite uh, 8 official in 2016, multiple regional tournament participant, including uh, last year, 2022. In Division 2 for the NCAA, he's been a regional tournament official um, in 2007, 8, and 9, and was an alternate in the championship in 2009. He has worked NAIA Division 1 tournament in 2007 when he worked the championship game there. He's worked the championship game uh, for the National Junior College Athletic Association, for the National Christian College Athletic Association. Um, He worked in the American Basketball Association in 2004 to 2007, the International Basketball League uh, from 2005 to 2007, and the Premier Basketball League in 2008, including championships, uh, championship games, of course, in the IBL and PBL. Wow, Uh, just an impressive resume. From Thurman. He is a graduate of the University of Illinois in Chicago with a bachelor's degree in science. Um, I'm sorry, a bachelor's degree um, in mathematics and computer science. And today he's the owner of two and a half maintenance men. He's the owner of real estate investments and he works for General Electric, Electric Capital uh, in the information systems as manager. Uh, Thurman is married been married since 1981 and has one son in the U.S. Marine Corps. So look what you're getting into. Uh, I think there's a wealth of knowledge here and uh, it's going to be on display for you to listen to in the podcast. So thanks again for joining. Again, um, if you would like to ask me any questions, have any comments, or if you have suggestions for any future guests, feel free to feel free to email me at hsbasketballrefereepodcast at gmail.com and the email can be found on the show notes and also 
on anchor.fm backslash mark dash Freelich. Our major sponsor continues to be, you guessed it, PQ2 LLC. And owner, great friend, Matt Kearns. I love it that he continues to support the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Freelich podcast. Um, of course, Matt has been a basketball official in the state of Ohio for 36 years. And uh, look forward to, to seeing him on the basketball court this year again. He's a member of the Trumbull County, Portage County, and Lake Erie Basketball Officiating Associations in Northeast Ohio. Go to his website, please, and learn a little bit more about his company uh, at pq-2.com. Again, pq-2.com, and that's pq2llc. Uh, again, if you have not subscribed yet to the podcast or follow it, please do so. Uh, after you do that on your whatever podcast platform you're listening, you'll get a message informing you when new episodes drop. And uh, of course, if you are not able to sponsor a segment, if you want to do that, you're welcome to. But if you're not able to, you can certainly become an official supporter of the podcast. And I would really appreciate that. Um, please check out the show notes to get you a link to the support section. Uh, from there, you can select any of the one-time or monthly options that are available. And as always, really, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to listen to the episode. Thurman Legs from around the Dayton area is up in just a few seconds. Welcome to episode 49. Here we go. In an era of noise, each business is searching for a way to stand out and rise above the rest. Holy Hill Media is your friendly neighborhood marketing agency with a focus on social media management, media production, and website development. With each day in technology, our online future is always just a moment away. Keeping up with the trends, updates, and creativity isn't easy. You deserve to focus on your business as we elevate your brand above your competitor's reach. Think bold with Holy Hill Media. www.holyhill.media So here we are for another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick Podcast. And I'm really excited to have Thurman on the episode. Thurman, thanks for taking the time out of your day to join this podcast. Well, thank you, Mark. I'm really looking forward to it. I've heard a lot of good things about the podcast. Uh, I've never been a participant on a podcast, but I'm looking forward to this one. <laughs> well, we're going to make this as painless as possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. And so before we get into the nuts and bolts of things, though, we are going to go to a, um, a break a little bit. We're going to hear from some of our sponsors, and then we're going to go to the pregame right after this. If your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. Remember, you can follow or like the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast on both Facebook and Twitter. You'll find all of the episodes, and eventually we're hoping to add some additional content. In the meantime, find the links on the show notes 
or you can go ahead and search for the podcast on those social media outlets. So as we all know, the pregame, when we get to a basketball game, the pregame is a place where we get to know the other officials, especially if we haven't uh, had a game with them before. And so um, I always find this the exciting part of the podcast because we get to learn a little bit more about uh, about you. And, uh, you know, so far this year, uh, we've had some really interesting guests on um, to learn a little bit about them. And, and you're, you're no different. I mean, look at the resume that we had in the introduction is, has been phenomenal. And, you know, it's incredible of what you've done, especially at the collegiate level, um, you know, working the, the division three, final four and, and your success with the NAIA national championship uh, work, you know, being at that, at that level, um, division one experience um, in nine different leagues Talk a little bit, Thurman, about your collegiate experience, um, especially with maybe those national championship games or the Final Four games. Uh, Mark, first thing I just want to say is that I've been blessed. Uh, you know, I've been blessed with uh, uh, just a lot of success, and I've been blessed with a lot of friends that have supported me along the way. Uh, this has not been an easy road. Uh, it's, you know, uh, we, me and my buddies always talked about, uh, you know, keep your friends close, know who your friends are because not everybody has your back as you move up. And that's one of the things I noticed as I was being, becoming successful, that there were some people that didn't have the same goals that I had, or if they had the same goals, they didn't put forth as much of an effort to try to achieve those goals and you know along the way you you uh encounter resentment jealousy hatred uh things of that nature from people that you thought were your close friends and so you know i really had to identify who my close friends were and uh i can tell you my mentors and my close basketball friends and my family uh, they supported me along the way. Uh, getting the opportunity to work the NCAA Division III uh, Final Four game was just awesome. Uh, that game was just unbelievable. It went double overtime. Wow. And, oh, my goodness. It was just a great atmosphere. Uh, the facilities were great. The gym was packed. As I look at a lot of the Division One conferences – I mean, you've got Atlantic 10, Ohio Valley Conference, Atlantic Sun. Um, what else do you have? I mean, in Mid-South, um, there's just uh, – and I think, is there a couple of uh, International Basketball League also and the yes. Premier Basketball League? What are what are those two? <laughs> you know, as I was coming up, I was working any and all basketball there was. Man, if it was a basketball game – Thurman was there. Buddy of mine used to say, <laughs> Thurman works the, the uh, I even worked the, uh, uh, at the Dayton Correctional Facility League. Uh, they, they had games there that I would work for my supervisor. But they said if it was a, uh, uh, a midnight game league in the city of Dayton or ex-convicts Thurman's out there working it so. <laughs> but you know working you know I work mostly women's college basketball but starting out I also worked men's college basketball and it really helped 
my officiating from the standpoint that uh, the speed of play, uh, the physicality, and just the athleticism of the men's basketball made it a lot easier for me when I went to work women's basketball. Tough part of working women's basketball was I had to assess what a foul was, what was illegal contact. Men can play through a lot more contact or could play through a lot more contact than women. And so I just had to, you know, really buckle down and learn what was illegal contact in, in a women's game. You know, uh, turn our attention to high school uh, basketball officiating, and, and you're an, an instructor in Southwest Ohio. Um, talk about some of the things that you learned in your time um, as an instructor that helped you become a better basketball official. You know, the people have said that the best way to learn is to teach. And I used to think that I knew the rules before I became an instructor. And what I learned in the 11 years that I've taught is that, uh, well, no question is a dumb question and never assume. And I think when initially when I would read the rules, I would just breeze through them. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get down to every word of that rule and understand what it meant but once I became an instructor teaching the the uh, students the rules the terminology uh, that helped make me a better official because I understood the rules a lot better you know when you start talking about team control um, or you start talking about uh, when something starts and when something ends, those are some of the things I tell the students. I said, you know, when you read the rules and, and they mention the word shall versus may, shall means you got to do it. You don't have a choice. May means, well, I've got an option. I don't have to do this, but I may do it. Okay. When do things start? When do things end? That helps you understand, say, for example, a double dribble. Okay. Uh, and things of that nature, when a try starts, when a try ends. Or if I have a foul, if the try hasn't started, then if a person gets fouled, then it's uh, going to be a spot throw-in, or unless we're in the bonus, it's going to be a spot throw-in. So being an instructor and answering some of the basic questions and uh, understanding, you know, I used to be in those students' shoes when I first started officiating. Uh, helped make me a better official. The communication aspect of it uh, helped make me a better at, uh, official. The mechanics. We would get in the. We would go in the gym after we would spend a couple hours in the classroom. We would go to the gym and for an hour, hour and a half. We would practice mechanics. I would practice the mechanics with them. I had to know, you know, team control fouls, what the proper sequence was and things of that nature in order to teach. Uh, you know, it, it just helped make me a better all-around all official. Yeah. Answering questions, listening. My listening skills got much better when I, because I would look at the students and listen to every word they said and I make sure that they understood my answer when I gave them an answer. 
you know, you and I, uh, speaking about giving back to the game, you and I met uh, at the Capitol camp down in, uh, near Columbus and um, you know, where we've been the, some of the clinicians down there. And uh, you've been part of that camp for quite a while, longer than I have. Um, talk about the uh, summer camps, um, not just that one, but, but other ones. Um, although young officials in Ohio, make sure you sign up for the Capitol camp over the summer. It's a great camp. Right. Yes, what, <laughs> what do you learn from, from that Capitol camp? What are some of the things you take away from that camp? And what are some of the things maybe that young officials really should be um, uh, recognizing uh, in that camp when they participate? Well, you know, um, when I started doing camps, one of the things they used to say is, don't be a, a yeah, but official. And I was like, scratch my head, what is a yeah, but official? You know, you'd say something to a, a camper and, and they would say, yeah, but, you know, this is why I did. I had to learn to just listen learn and apply and that's one of the things that i would like to see campers do more uh, listen to what the clinicians have to say uh learn what understand what they're saying and then try to apply it i would like to see them practice uh, before you know come prepared before they go to camp i think a lot of them show up out of shape uh, they don't take it seriously and they're just going out there and they've got expectations. You know, I, I think they go out there to the camp and then they think the next year, cause I've gone to this camp, my schedule is just going to blow up. It's going to become, I'm going to be working tournament games. If I'm working tournament games already, I'm going to be working regional games. If I'm working regional games, then I'm going to be working the championship games. Even though the expectations have already been set in the uh, the letters and the email, excuse me, the emails that have gone out prior to camp, I think some campers have expectations of getting a better schedule because they've gone to camp. And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. Uh, because when I started going to camp, like I said, I worked on the women's side. And one of my supervisors said, I was working both men's and women's, but one of my supervisors said on the women's side, hey, if you if you want to get if you want to get picked up, if you want to get a better schedule, if everything is equal between camper A and camper B, camper B may be a female, I'm gonna choose camper B if everything's equal. So I said, What does that tell me? I said, Thurman, you gotta be better. I've got to be in better shape. I've got to know the rules better. I've got to have better mechanics. Uh, I've got to have better communication skills, whatever. I've got better man game management skills. I've got to be better. And I took that philosophy and I applied it not just to uh, female officials. I applied it to my, my partners, my buddies. We would compete to see who could get from, uh, say, uh, lead to trail before the center got from center to center or before the trail got from trail to lead. We would compete against one another, you know, just friendly competition to see who's the faster official. Uh, and <clears throat> it just made us better officials. We, we had fun doing it. Uh, and then realized 
as I uh, continued my officiating career, I realized that, you know, it's not about competing against other officials. I said, I got to compete with myself. And so at, at the end of every season, I re I would evaluate my season and, uh, look at what, what are some of the things that I did right? What are some of the things I didn't do so good and then come up with a plan for what I'm going to plan to work on in uh, the upcoming season during the summer for the upcoming season. And I just competed against myself and that's all I focused in on. And it's really helped me over the years. I was talking with Matt Kearns the other day. Matt is, of course, the owner of our major sponsor, PQ2 LLC. And he was reminding me that, and this goes for every official, the importance of all of us to continue recruiting officials, while at the same time, maybe refinding ourselves and understanding why we got into officiating. You know, we know part of the reason we officiate is to help that particular official or to be an example for that student athlete. And of course, to continue to build great relationships. That's kind of the theme you'll find with Matt's company, PQ2. It's been around for a while now, and it's always good to be that business, which helps a particular client that recruits new players and also helps with clients' particular needs. Learn more about PQ2 and see how they can help you by going to pq-2.com or calling Matt at 330-888-9448. You can become an official podcast supporter of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick by visiting anchor.fm backslash mark-fralick backslash support. Find the support link on the show description of this episode or on the description of the podcast on the home section of the podcast. Thank you very much. So as we enter the first quarter, um, talk about just a variety of different things, but uh, I want to get a little background on you. Tell us, talk a little bit about why you decided to take up basketball fishing, uh, officiating uh, a long time ago. How'd you hear about it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I used to play basketball. I played, you know, in the company leagues and I played in the uh, YMCA leagues. Uh, tried out in college, but I had to work a full-time job, and so I never really had a chance to play in college. But I always thought I was a pretty good basketball player. And so when I got hired, uh, Dave Carlite, we had a company t- company lead, and every year, team I was on would play the lineman. And then we would lose every year. And every year we would have this, this guy, redhead basketball official, curly head. And I always felt like, man, he was giving us the short end of the stick. <laughs> this guy would just head it out for us. Our, our better players would get in foul trouble. We wouldn't get the calls that we deserved. And, and I always blamed it on him. And then one summer, after it was about six or seven years after I, I left in front of light, uh, I was playing basketball in a YMCA league. And we were just getting killed. And this young man came at me, and he dunked on me and brought the house down. <laughs> and folks were just ooing and on. And my, my nephew was in the gym from out of town. He was laughing at me, pointing at me and stuff. I said, okay, Barbara, it's time for you to quit <laughs> trying to be a basketball player. <laughs> 
And I said, I need something else to do with my time. So I don't know how much after, how much time after it was, but this was, I think I got the, I saw the, uh, the ad in the newspaper, the daily newspaper, uh, like in September that they were having a class. So I signed up for the class. Lo and behold, that redhead official, Phil Durkee, <laughs> was the guy that was my instructor. <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. You know, Phil was uh, a guy that would say, and, and he was, you know, the type of guy that you would not, you would not, you would do as he say, not as he did. did. <laughs> oh my God. He had a flask that he took to the games with him sometimes. Ah. And, uh, I don't know what was in it, but it sure wasn't coffee. <laughs> he said it was. <laughs> oh, but that's how I got started in officiating. That's yeah. how you got into it. So you progressed along. I mean, goodness, you know, you, obviously you've had some great success. Um, did you have a mentor by chance? Yes, I did. I had uh, a really close friend, uh, Jackie Sanders. And after I worked the NAI championship, you know, I was I was showing the video to my buddies. We were doing film breakdown sessions. And Jackie was at one of the sessions. He said, Thurman, he says, I want you to come over uh, my house one day. We're going to break this tape down. So I got over his house uh, like about 8 o'clock one night. And Mark, I tell you, no lie, we were done at 12 o'clock. We, we stopped at 12 o'clock. Wow. We hadn't gotten past halftime. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He ripped me a new one. And when we finished, when I left, he says, Thurman, you ain't that damn good. <laughs> he says there are a lot of officials out there that are better than us and they're working NCAA finals he says so just remember that and on my way home you know I'm driving from Cincinnati to Dayton I said well so you know that really helped me because it humbled me yeah. because when I did, after I did the NAIA tournament game or could nobody tell me anything I thought I had arrived yeah, and I realized all the mistakes that I was making that you know didn't happen to affect the game, but it dealt with getting plays right and being in position and being the right official to make the call. Yeah. How critical? Um, how critical is that? You know, it's really interesting to me to here you are, uh, you know, working the championship game and. And some, uh, some of your buddy, your mentor comes in and just kind of brings you back down to earth. And, you know, when we, when, when I think we look at that in today's world, that might be such a dis discouraging thing that, that some officials might get out of it, but you took it just the opposite. You took it as motivation. Yes, I did. But I trusted him because he practiced what he preached. Um, uh, you know, I, a lot of people have uh, exercise regimens and uh, routines to stay in shape. One of the things Jackie said uh, to me was, Thurman, don't get in shape, stay in shape. Mm, and he says, not just, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. He says, stay in shape year-round. And 
he practiced when he preached. You know, he says you know, he was a he was a uh, clinician at the first camp that I went to in Georgia, SIC camp, and uh, he was the he was the only person from outside Georgia or Alabama that was a clinician, and. <clears throat> He believed in just refereeing every game like it was a championship game. Uh, and so I took that mentality and I just incorporated it into um, you know, the way I officiated. You know, treat every game like it's a championship game. You know, respect the players, respect the coaches, respect the table crew, respect your partners. And if you do that, you'll get respect in return. So, so give a tip to um, any official right now who does not have a mentor. Give a tip to them on how they go about finding a mentor. I would say first start by um, building a relationship uh, with a close person, a close friend, a fellow official that you uh, – that you respect and uh, you admire. And it doesn't matter what level uh, they're working. But you know, once you find that person, you know, just talk to them and explain to them what your goals are, what you, where you would like to be, and ask them if they would help you get to that level. But I would say first, you know, find someone that you admire, you look up to, someone that's successful, and uh, someone's willing to uh, be honest with you. You know, tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I've got a couple of young officials that got picked up in the first college conferences this year. Great. And uh, they're excited. I'm excited for them. Uh, I believe that they've got what it takes to advance. And it's all it's going to take for them to do is to just keep working hard and, and have patience. That's something yeah. that these days is hard to come by. Yep. But, you know, I tell them all the time, be patient. Cream rises to the crop, to the top. Just be good. Somebody's going to keep doing what you need to do. Somebody's going to recognize you. Rule 1, Section A, Article 3 in the Project Management Rulebook says trusting your business partner gives you the best chance to launch your new plastics project application. Make PQ2 LLC part of your crew on your next thermoplastic resin application. Call 330-888-9448 and ask for our in-house basketball official and owner, Matt Kearns. Okay, we're going to be in our second quarter right now. And uh, the second quarter, we're going to talk a little bit about communication and uh, how critical that is as from an officiating point of view. And, uh, you know, communication is a tool that uh, us officials really have to have in our tool belt. Um, you know, when, you, you know, when you, I guess, Thurman, when have you learned over the years, what have you learned over the years that has led to 
communicating effectively with coaches and maybe provide some, some examples. Okay. Um, uh, you know, from over the years of uh, dealing with a lot of coaching styles, a lot of different people with different coaching styles, the one common denominator is good listening skills. Mm-hmm. If, if, if a coach says something to me, I try my best to repeat what they say and make sure, first of all, that we're on the same page. Uh, and then from that point, I realized that, okay, they may not agree with what I have to say, but I'm going to tell them what I saw from my angle or if it's a rule situation, I'm going to start it out. I'm going to preface it by saying, by rule. Okay. And then I explain the rule. And then I try to move on. You know, I do not let it go into being a, uh, a back and forth uh, argument. Uh, when I, you know, I try to read the body language of a coach, you know, time score situation, try to understand, you know, that uh, certain situations may cause the coach to become a little bit more agitated than uh, others. You know, if it's the if it's the fourth foul on the best player, or if I feel that we may have missed a call, I'm going to give a coach a little bit more leeway. If my partners and I are letting one coach behave a certain way, then I'm going to try to be uh, understanding and allow the other coach to be to behave a similar, you know, similar way. Uh, but I try to start by being a good listener. Uh, some of the other things that I've learned in terms of communication is uh, your nonverbal communication skills. Uh, you know, folding my arms. Facial expressions that I might have, I try to keep stoic facial expressions throughout the entire game so that coaches can't read me to tell whether or not I'm upset or not upset. You know, so if I'm given a technical foul, they're not going to say, oh, it's because he doesn't like me or he's upset at me or anything like that. You know, a technical foul is just any other foul, just like any other foul. And I try not to show emotions. Um, and like I said, getting back to the body language, the folded arms, that that tells the coaches, hey, we're done talking. You know, uh, when, when I've reached that point, you know, when you wave your hands at me and then you want to talk to me, I fold my arms. That means we're done talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, hopefully they recognize that. But one of the other things I, I, I've learned over the years is, you know, try to, how to diffuse situations. You know, anybody can tee up a a coach or warn a coach or anything like that, but diffusing situations uh, basically is a skill. And I read a book called Verbal Judo years ago, and that really helped me with diffusing situations on the basketball court with players and with, with coaches. 
So that is the end of our second quarter. We're going to take a quick break here, Thurman, for halftime. So when we come back, we will uh, dive into our third and fourth quarters, followed by the post game and our awesome five quick decisions. We'll be right back. Exponential results. Longtime Ohio High School basketball official Matt Kearns is owner of PQ2, an engineering thermal plastics for virtually any engineered application is their expertise. They will help you source the right material for every application, including UL-listed, FDA, and NSF-approved resins. Matt and his team are proud of their best-in-class domestic and international supply relationships. When you need specialty resins, they deliver branded, prime, certified materials from the producer. The industry has changed over the years, but one thing has not, and that's PQ2's attention to detail, the quality of their products, and the care for those who use their products. Become better acquainted with PQ2 after browsing through their website at pq-2.com and then let them know how they can provide a tailored solution for you. So as we enter our third quarter, we want to talk about some game management principles. Um, as an instructor, Thurman, um, how do you teach game management to new officials? Uh, <laughs> for the first year officials, <laughs> I, I don't teach game management. <laughs> it has to be learned, doesn't it? <laughs> I just say survival techniques. This is what I'm teaching you. Get through the game, survive to work another game. That's your game management. <laughs> don't kick a rule. Okay. <laughs> doesn't matter if you, you know, you miss a rotation or, you know, you have bad mechanics or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I want you to survive to work another game. Uh, for a little bit more experienced officials, yeah. we, you know, especially during COVID, we talked about game management uh, concept. And, and we have to be real careful that we don't misconstrue game management versus game manipulation. And uh, uh, it's, I think it's a fine line between manipulating a game versus managing a game. You know, when you, the common uh, thread throughout a lot of games is the foul count seven to three, foul count seven to three. Okay. That doesn't mean that we're going to go out there and we're going to balance the foul count to make it seven to seven. Okay, that's that's manipulating a game. Managing a game in a situation like that is understanding, okay, why did we have seven fouls on one team versus three on the other? Maybe they're more aggressive. Okay. Maybe their um, types of foul calls that we've had against the one team that we haven't had against the other. We may have had some uh, team control type fouls that have caused the foul count to go up on one team versus the other. Uh, understanding, <clears throat> I call it 50-50 plays, out-of-bounds play, where uh, do I call a foul or do I just get the ball out-of-bounds to the other team? Okay. 
if it's a foul, don't don't call the out of bounds and give the out of bounds to the other team. Because you know, I've heard coaches say, well, if it's a foul, call it. Because I would get the ball out of bounds and they would get the foul call against them also. If it's obvious, if it's an obvious foul, I don't care what the time score situation is, we gotta have whistles on the play. Okay. Even if the score is, you know, fifty to twenty five. If it's marginal contact, we can possibly we can pass on uh calling the foul in a late game uh that has already been decided. But if it's an obvious foul, I don't care what the score is, we gotta have whistles on those plays. Okay. Managing the game, going back to communication skills. Okay. A buddy of mine used to tell me, Thurman, keep your finger in the pot. Know the tempo of the game. Know the, uh, for the, uh, for, you know, I'll just use the expression he could use. Know the shit starters yeah. in the game. He says, when they come off the bench, recognize these guys or girls that are just out there to, uh, make a mockery of your game to try to get in the, another player's head, calling cheap fouls to try to get them to retaliate. You know, those are game management type techniques that you know you learn from experience. Uh, communicating with your partner and with the table. You know, you have situations where uh, maybe there's discrepancy or disagreement as to the hell ball situation. You don't know which way the arrow is. Uh, and then talking to your partners to get getting that right. Those are all game management type situations. Clock management. You know, being aware of the clock and it's starting and stopping when it's supposed to. Uh, we just don't give that responsibility to the timer uh, we're responsible for that as well, and understanding <clears throat> that if it's not correct, that the referee has elastic power to correct it. Uh, but in, in, before we do so, we've got to know what the correct time should be on the clock. Uh, game management is something that you learn over a period of time. Over the, you know, you just can't teach that. That comes with experience. That's the best way that I could describe game management. And for new officials, I would just say, blow the whistle, call the obvious fouls, and then over the years, start working on game management skills. Is that something, though, Thurman, that, um, I mean, when when do you think you realize the importance of, of game management? I mean, does it take, you know, uh, two years does it take five years i guess it depends on the the, the certain individual though but uh when do you how long do you think it takes to pick something like that up well i i think it started uh when i started working varsity games uh-huh. when, you know when uh a loss meant something to var- meant more to varsity coaches than say for example to jv coaches uh you know, the, the uh, positioning in the conference of losses, uh, understanding uh, how, you know, it affects players 
and their ability to, uh, say, get college scholarships and things of that nature as they move up into uh, uh, the high school ranks. You just understanding who your go-to players are. And you're not trying to protect those players, but just understanding, you know, why this coach reacts the way they do when I call a foul against that player. And... And again, not manipulating the game. If that player call, if that player commits a foul, then we're gonna we're gonna uh, put whistle, put air in that whistle. But when that player is commits a foul, then we want to make sure that it's an obvious foul on that player. This is Matt Kearns, and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. And it's the fourth quarter now where we talk just about one rule, so this is a quick segment, but uh, here here is our rule segment for you, Thurman. All right, Team A. Okay. Team A is at the free throw line for a bonus free throw situation. Okay, on the first attempt, A1 crossed the foul line, creating a violation. How does Team B proceed to put the ball in play? A, Team B may inbound the ball anywhere along the baseline, or B, Team B will have a spot throw in along the baseline. What is your answer? Okay. In that situation, Team A cannot score on a violation. The ball becomes dead immediately. Therefore, Team B gets the throw-in with the spot throw-in on the end line. And the answer is B. Ding, 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 ding. You got it right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) As you've heard in this podcast many times, many officials say that the relationships within the community of basketball officials is a huge reason why they take um, the floor each and every game year after year. PQ2 LLC, they bring that same passion that you have in the locker room to every client relationship they've built over the years. PQ2 is proud to be the thermoplastics resins company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. All right, so with that, we're going to we uh, enter into our post game and uh, you know, Thurman, some of the best parts of officiating again is that brother and sisterhood, and and you've been around a long time to know that. Um, you know, have you been able to uh, experience that level of of 
bonding of fraternity um, in basketball officiating? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Uh, I've had a number of buddies uh, that have been along this journey with me uh, since the beginning. Sad part about it, uh, most of them have retired from officiating (laughs) (laughs) since then. (laughs) And uh, it's making it more... It's making it lonelier, to be honest with you. Sure. Uh, COVID started it because with COVID, uh, I stopped riding, but we weren't allowed to travel uh, back and forth to games with our partners. And so uh, that made it that made it hard. So that was a tough change uh, because we're so used to riding together. Uh, back and forth to games and things of that nature and talking about that game, getting on the phone with our buddies and talking about their games. If they had certain situations, we talk about them. And we just took that away. And, uh, and during COVID, a few of my closest buddies, they retired from officiating and, uh, and so I've got other friends that I touch base with on the on the way home, but it's like starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just it's just hard to do. And I miss those guys. And uh, but I'm happy for you know they you know some officials don't know when to call it quits. And uh, and I've always said that when it stops becoming fun to me, I'm going to call it quits. I'm going to hang up my uh, striped shirt. And, but now I still enjoy. I still enjoy uh, refereeing. I still enjoy going out. Enjoy going out to the games and working hard, giving it 110 uh, percent. But uh, the journey is, like I said, with my buddies. That's the best part of it all. You know, that's what you remember after you call it quits. It's not the basketball games that you referee. It's the the fun times that you have with your buddies running up and down the basketball court. You know, things laughing and having fun and some of the mistakes that we make. And only we knew that we made mistakes and we'd laugh at one another. Things of that nature. Yeah, no doubt that is the uh, the best part about it. And um, um, so when when you um, look back at your officiating career, um, has you know you talk about some of the things that happened on the basketball floor. Has on the basketball floor has anything scary ever happened to you on the floor or that you've witnessed on the floor that uh, that you always remember? Oh yes, uh, gosh. Uh... My second year, I'll tell you a couple of stories yeah. if we've got time. But yeah. A couple of, uh, my second year I officiated, <clears throat> I'm working a, a men's league in the city of Dean. And uh, these guys are setting illegal screens and and I'm calling them and, you know, they're knocking people to the floor and I'm calling it. My partner ain't calling nothing. I'm like, man, what? What's going on? You know, he's he's used to it. They know him. They don't know me. I said, I'm a second-year official out there. And uh, so I called this one illegal screen on this guy. And 
the guy, you know, made a basket, so I wiped off the shot because the only was green. He looked at me and said, we don't call that BS in this league. You better <laughs> learn it uh, if you want to stick around. And I'm like, how oh, is this guy, you know, talking to me like this? And so I just let it go because this was, it was at the end of the game. Yeah. It was at the end of the game. And I was like, this is my last ball game. And they had lost because you know, it, was a, it was a close ball game. And that would have, I think, maybe tied the game up. And uh, my partner didn't want to talk to me oh. after the game or anything like that. Wow. <laughs> so I, man, I got dressed. I got a, uh, my shoes off and I started walking out. Well, I find out as I'm walking out that these guys had money on the game. Oh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't realize these guys were betting on the games. <laughs> and so they out there in the parking lot peeing off their desk. I'm just like, oh, goodness, man. I'm, I'm lucky to get out of that league and get out of that parking lot a lot. <laughs> so then, a few years later, I'm working a game with my, my mentor, Jackie Sanders. And we're down in Cincinnati, and it's a old-timers league. And these guys travel from, like, Dayton to Cincinnati to Detroit to wow. Cleveland to Columbus, and they play one another. Okay. So we're down in Cincinnati, play, and they're playing this game. And second half, they bring this guy in, in the game. And in the, I'd say first five minutes of the second half, he commits three fouls. He's just banging. I'm just like, we just keep calling the foul. So finally, on the third foul, he and this one guy, this one guy gets pissed off. Uh-huh. And he's a big guy. Guy turns around, they go chest to chest. Uh-oh. And the guy that was banging, he spits in the guy's face. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And both, both benches clear. Oh. These two guys end up on the floor. Nobody had thrown a punch. They just grabbed one another and they ended up on the floor. They separated. And my, my, my mentor, Jackie Sanders, tossed both of them. The guy that got spit in the face says, I'll be back. I'm going to my car. Oh, man. And then these guys are like, call the police, call the police. <laughs> when you believe the team that he was on were police. <laughs> Oh my goodness, man. So they went and talked him out of going out to the car. They were from out of town. So we you know, didn't want to eject him. So we had him sit all the way up in the top row of the gym until the end of the game. <laughs> man, that was the most degrading incident that I've ever experienced. Oh, yeah. And it was scary. It was scary. Yeah. And, and to young officials that are listening to this, I'll tell you now, don't do it. <laughs> don't do men's adult leagues. Do anything <laughs> but that. Because <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't gotten any better. Well, I'll tell you, I, that's how I cut my teeth. I, you know, I, my mentor took me over to the YMCA, and uh, that, that's yeah. exactly how we did it. And uh, you know, they, the tees were flying, and and that that was a that was a learning experience. But I agree that that what your situation is a lot worse than what I had to deal with. So that definitely is a lot scarier. That's for sure. When you when you have somebody talking about going out to the car. 
crazy, man. It yep. scared me. Yep. It scared me. So. so so the other thing about officiating that we have to deal with is um, obviously is, is what we deal with our families. And, um, you know, you've got a, a wife and a young and a son, uh, not a young son anymore, um, I believe is in the military now. But talk a little bit about um, the family life. And, boy, you've been all over doing all kinds of games. Um, how have you been able to balance that life uh, that you've that you've uh, had here? Well, you know, I, I, I've been doing this now for 20-some years, 28 years. Yep. And I just been blessed with a wife that has allowed me to uh, follow my, my passion. Uh, she's, uh, she's retired now, but prior to her being retired, she's a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And she just loved teaching, being around kids. And so she just loved doing this, what she did. She allowed me to do what I did was referee. And uh, you know, when I didn't referee, I was at home with the family. And that's what I did on my days off. I was at home with the family, taking care of the family. Yep. And that was the balance. Yep. yep. Very good. And now we will uh, focus our attention after the post game to the five quick decisions. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, It can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials and then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. Last segment, are you ready? I'm all set, ready to go. (laughs) Okay, so five quick decisions. We're gonna go through these and um, see what kind of great answers we've got. So question number one, talk about one game that you will always remember officiating and why it's a remembrance. Oh, okay. That would be my first scrimmage that I refereed really? uh, with Phil Durkee as our instructor. When we practiced mechanics, Phil never, he never took us to uh, scrimmages or anything like that. We just, after we classroom uh, time, we went in the gym and we practiced mechanics. That was it. You know, five-second counts, ten-second counts, running down the court uh, from lead to trail, trail to lead or whatever. And that was it. And then after we finished with the class and we took our exam, he had scheduled a scrimmage that we would referee. And it was at Chaminade Julia. And we go there. We had never had any experience uh, other than being in that gym. And we were horrible. We were horrible. Oh, my God. This old lady came up to me, and she says, you know, when I was on the sideline, you all are the worst officials I have ever seen. And I, to this day, agree with her. <laughs> it was, I still remember seeing that old lady come down and sit on the sideline. I didn't want to be called in after, you know, we go in every five minutes. And my five-minute time was 
up. I did not want to go out on that basketball court. I still don't know how we survived. It was bad. Oh, <laughs> All right, question two. Recall the funniest thing or something that you'll always remember about one officiating partner. Oh, okay. That would be my buddy James Marable. Okay, James is about 6'5". I'm 6'4". We've got similar physiques. We run about the same. We look very similar. The only difference, James is ball-headed. Okay. And so we had a game in Indiana one year. And the coach, she, she was trying to be personable, trying to get to know us. For the whole game, she called me Marable. And she called James Legs. <laughs> <laughs> and we let her get away with it until the, towards the end. She turned so red, she was so embarrassed. <laughs> it was funny. She laughed with us and stuff like that. <laughs> but we didn't we purposely <laughs> didn't tell her who our names were. <laughs> Well, we just talked a little bit about uh, some of the scariest things, but what's the weirdest, funniest, maybe most unusual thing you've witnessed while officiating a high school basketball game? Or college. Or college. Or college. Uh, uh, well, I, I had a game at Wittenberg, and it was prior to the game starting, but they had the support wires. <clears throat> that held the basketball rim up. And just before tip-off, one of the wires broke or something like that, and the uh, scoreboard in the middle of the gym started coming down. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And so they had to stop the game and call uh, maintenance. Oh, Wittenberg's redid the gym. They've redid the gym. And uh, so we ended up having to play in their auxiliary gym, which is in the back. So we go back there, and Mark, I don't know if you remember uh, the old gyms that uh, the old gyms that had three mid-court lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay, where you would cross, the say, the third line. Right. And then your midcourt became the middle line. And then when you go in the other direction, you cross that third line. Yep. And then the middle line became your midcourt line. Right. Okay. Well, they had these three lines. Man, I called over and back two times in that game, <laughs> and it wasn't over and back <laughs> because I was confused about the midcourt line. <laughs> Coach looked at me. She was a first-year coach. She looked at me and says, can't you get the plays right? I said, Coach, <laughs> this court this is screwing me up. She was giving me a hard time, but it was all good. It was That's all good. good. Then good. another time I was at Wittenberg, this was years ago, and the women played before the men. Well, after our game, you know, they had those gas field type lights or whatever. Yeah. Well, the lights dimmed on half the core. Oh, no. And, and they had to wait like 45 minutes or so for those lights to warm up again before they could play. 
Question four. Um, boy, you've been doing this a long time. You've probably heard a lot of different things, but the funniest thing a player, coach, or fan ever said to you? Uh, okay. This would be at, at one time, I, I prided myself on knowing the coaches' names prior to the game. Mm-hmm. I'll get all that information together before a game. And I would work hard to, you know, have that information. I'd share with my partners during pregame. And uh, so I do a game down in Kentucky one year. And, you know, I've got this coach from Tennessee and a coach from Kentucky, which I knew. So we go over to meet the coaches and I say hello you know, uh, Cecilia, whatever, to the visiting coach. I extend my arm, my hand out to shake. She kind of looks at me, you know, she looks up at me. She's kind of short. She looks up at me, but she doesn't extend her hand to shake with me. Hmm. So I walk past her, and then I go to the assistant coach, and I give him a fist bump, and go to the other assistant, give him a fist bump. And then I go to the other end to shake hands with uh, the head coach there, and the assistant, and as I'm walking by, she says to the assistant coach, she looks up to him and says, he could call me by my first name. Like, we go way back like that. I said, no, she didn't. <laughs> so I'm telling my partner, I said, okay, from now on, the rest of the game, she's coach. Okay, that's all she is. <laughs> and she was shaking her head, man. It's like, who is he calling me by my first name? I was like, oh, my goodness. And if I could share one other yeah. real quick story. I, I had a game down in Kentucky, and uh, uh, we go there. We go to meet the captains at midcourt and I go to them and, and I know the one team is a is, uh, beginning of the season tournament and the other team is not from Kentucky they're from I don't know they're from uh, I don't know Tennessee possibly they're probably from down in Tennessee so I'm trying to you know uh, make small talk and I say hello so and so who's speaking captain I say well I just want to welcome you to Ohio <laughs> <laughs> they look at each other and they're like, what? <laughs> I thought we were playing it. I thought this was Kentucky. <laughs> I had egg in my face. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> then all the time I forgot my partner's name. <laughs> he doesn't show up until he doesn't show up until five minutes before uh we were supposed to go in the locker room. And I a high school game. I didn't know the guy first time I ever met him. So we go out to meet the captains, and I say, "My my name is Thurman. This is my partner Andre." And then I go to him, and I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> so what does Andre do? He says, "Oh, his name is Jeff." I say, "Oh, it's Jeff." And that wasn't his name. That wasn't his name. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. It's all night. All I could think of was Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Man. Andre Andre's pretty ornery there, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, Jeff, whatever his name is, he was pissed, man. Mm. He left that locker room afterwards, and 
I normally don't do that, but I feel bad on that situation. <laughs> so, so, so our last question, we always leave the last one. I told Thurman beforehand, I said, leave your, leave your most humorous story for the last one. <laughs> so, so here we go. What's the most misunderstood rule from a fan or a coach? Oh, mis- most misunderstood rule, easily block charge. Okay. Easily block charge. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not it's a block or a charge. People don't understand because they'll all be uh, like, he was moving. You call it charge. He was moving. He was moving. Or she was moving. She was moving. But they don't realize that the player's allowed to move laterally, obliquely. They just cannot move towards the uh, player and the opponent and make contact. Okay. And then the other part of that is, uh, if everybody wants a, I mean, this. if they want the foul to be called on the offensive player, you know, they say that the defensive player, I'm sorry, they say the offensive player ran into them. Now, if the defensive player established initial legal guarding position and is set, then the foul is going to be on the offensive player. And they just don't seem to understand that rule. And I think that <clears throat> I think there's a lot of officials. I won't say that they don't understand the rule. I just feel that they don't referee the play right. They don't pick up the defender and determine whether or not they had established initial legal guarding position. And after that, whether or not they uh, are allowed to move afterwards. We just, we just got to do a better job of that. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. And there you go. That's the last question. Um, part of the five quick decisions. And that's, that's it for the high school basketball referee with Mark Fraley podcast. We made it through the whole episode, Thurman. Nice job. Thanks a lot for being a part of the show. Thank you, Mark. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. We want to thank Thurman Legs for his insight on this episode. I hope you were able to collect a few tips to help your officiating career. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Until next time, have a great, great day. And remember to be inspired daily by reading Mark chapter 1, verse 11.